Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 1. The Bible says, At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison, and his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother and his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this morning in Jesus' name, God, that you would help us today. Lord, I, I don't want to say or do anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, I don't want to say anything in the flesh this morning. I pray that you would guide my tongue and set a watch before my lips today. Lord, help me to be an encouragement, a strength, a blessing uh, to those who are in this building this morning. I pray for the lost to be sl- saved. I pray, dear God, for uh, the backslid to be reclaimed this morning. Lord, I ask you to warm the heart of that one that's cold and indifferent. Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen the weary and encourage the discouraged this morning. Most of all, I pray that you'll be glorified, your son would be magnified, and may the church be edified this morning. I ask you to be pleased with our worship, and may we see no man save Jesus only. And we'll love you, and we'll praise you, and we'll thank you, for we do ask in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to notice with me from verse number 3 down to verse number 12, The record here is some months after the death of John the Baptist. Herod hears of the fame of Jesus in verse number 1. As the Bible said at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus. And and he likens it unto the fervency of John the Baptist. As he said in verse number 2, he said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. And therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Now Herod knew this. Uh, The Bible said that John did no miracle. But Herod knew that John was a man of God. In fact, The Bible tells us that John was a faithful man of God. He was a man that was full of the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And that's interesting. John did not perform. He did not produce a miracle. But he was just simply filled with the Spirit. And Herod knew that John was a man of God and had a true ministry. In fact, our text even highlights three reasons why that Herod would have known that. He would have known it first of all because of the persecution of John. The Bible said in verse number 3, For Herod laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodian's sake, his brother Philip's wife. And so he knew that John was a man of God and they had a ministry because of the persecution of John. He was responsible for binding him and putting him in prison. And he knew that John endured the persecution that he faced. And then he knew that John was a man of God because of the preaching of John. In verse number four, the Bible said, for John 
said unto him, it is not lawful for thee to have her. You know, it's always interesting to me in the Bible that any time God had a message for a politician, he did not send another politician to deliver it, but he sent a preacher, amen? God's mouthpiece has always been his men. It's always been the men that he has raised up. And John had a real ministry, and John was a real man of God. And even though Herod was a sinner and did not know God, he knew that John was a true man of God because he told him the truth, even no matter the cost. I want to say real men of God will not preach for a paycheck. They'll not preach for a pat on the back. They'll not preach for a number on the board. They're not called to fill a building, but they're called to fill a pulpit. And they'll preach the truth without the fear and the favor of man. And so Herod knew he was a man of God because of the persecution of John, because of the preaching of John. And then I want to say he knew because of the popularity of John. Look at verse number five. The Bible said that he would have put him to death, but he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. I want you to underline that phrase this morning. They counted him as a prophet. You see, Herod would have killed John himself a long time ago, but he feared the multitude because John had a ministry that counted. Amen? You see, John was a man of God, and John's ministry counted. And I want to say this morning, that's what we need in this hour. We need some men and women of God whose ministry will count. Amen? And I don't care this morning if you're a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, a missionary, a mother, a father, everybody that saves a Christian, we all have a ministry. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, you don't have to have a title and a trophy to have a ministry. If you're saved by the grace of God and you've been called to minister and God puts people in our path and what you and I need to do is we need to have a ministry that counts this morning. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject on how to have an effective ministry how to have an effective ministry. You see, this is Mother's Day, and you may be a mother here this morning, but the question is not whether or not you're a mother. The question is, do you have an effective ministry when it comes to motherhood? You may be here this morning and be a husband or be a father. It doesn't matter. You may be a young person this morning. Does your ministry count? If you're saved, then you've been called to minister. And my friend, there's a lot of preachers today whose ministries do not count. Amen. I mean, there's a lot of men could quit preaching right now and eternity would not be affected by it. The church would not be affected by it. You say, why is that, Brother Gravely? Because they're not called. Amen. I'm telling you, man's got to be called to preach. I don't care what anybody says. Listen, you can't sign up for it. Listen, everybody's to preach the gospel. Everybody's to witness the sinners. But you can't just decide you're going to be a preacher. Amen. You can't get up and testify and God bless you and get it in your head and think all of a sudden you're called to preach. Uh, I'm telling you, say, well, I got a burden. I got a desire. Uh, Listen, you got to have more than that because burdens and desires come and they go. But the call always remains. Uh, I tell you, the call will be there when you're wore out and tired. The call will be there when you don't feel like preaching. The call will be there in the darkest days of your life. Uh, uh, The calling and the gifts of God are without repentance. Amen. Uh, I tell you, some don't have an effective ministry uh, because they're not called.
called. Uh, some don't have an effective ministry because they're not converted. Amen. I mean, some men, let's just be honest. We got men standing in the pulpits that's never been saved. Amen. They've never been born in the family of God. We got people serving in churches that's never been saved. I tell you, the first thing every one of us have to do is to make sure we've been born again and that we're saved by the grace of God. Amen. And some, my friend, do not have an effective ministry because they're not courageous. Amen. You got to be willing to take a stand. Can I get a witness on that? If you're going to be a mother, if you're going to be a father and you're going to raise children, I promise you there's going to come a day when you're going to have to take a stand. Amen. You may have to stand against family. You may have to stand against friends. You may have to stand against the the school system. You may have to stand against maybe a neighbor. We don't want to have to take the stand, but when it comes, you've got to take courage. Amen. You have to do what's right, no matter what you face. Can I get a witness right there? I tell you what's lacking in this country today is we've got too many noodlebacks. Amen. we got too many people that's got a sweet potato vine for a spine. Amen. They're not willing to stand. They couldn't hold a hat if you put it on their head because they don't have no backbone. Amen. I'm telling you God give us another generation and I have some courage and not apologize about everything we believe and everywhere we stand. I'm telling you I'm still going to preach it like I preached it since I was 15 years old. I don't care if a hair lips all the hell. It's still right. It's still the truth, and you've got to take courage in this hour, amen. Not talking about being a smart aleck. Not talking about being mean. I'm just talking about preaching without fear and without apology and not watering it down. But some men don't have an effective ministry because they don't have courage. And some because they're not consecrated. They're not dedicated to the cause. Amen. This is just a profession for some preachers. Y'all with me still? It's just a money maker. I tell you, a real man of God don't care about somebody fattening his pocketbook. He cares about pilling his head at night and knowing he did the will of God. I'm telling you, if a man will be faithful, God will put food on his table. He'll put clothes on his back. He'll take care of his man if his man will preach the message. I tell you, we got to have some people that's consecrated and we got to have some church members that'll be consecrated. You got to say amen to the truth. You got to support the truth. When the man of God gets up and preach, you never let him plow by himself. You never let him preach the silent pews. You got to say Amen. If you believe what's being said, hallelujah. I'm talking about some men don't have an effective ministry because they're not consecrated. You can look at their life and tell that this is not this is not serious. It's just something that they do. And some are not committed and some are not consistent. God give us some consistent preachers. I'm trying to get to my main thought. But you preachers look up here at me today, tonight, this morning. If you're going to have any kind of ministry at all that's going to make any impact on anybody, you're going to have to be consistent. And it starts by being faithful to your local church. It starts by showing up on time for service. I'm telling you, if your pastor can't depend on you, and if you're listening to people in the church you go to church with can't depend on you, you're a sorry excuse for a preacher. Amen. I'm telling you, you'll never amount to nothing. You say, Brother Gravely, would you say that? I say it without apology. I'm telling you, every young man ought to hear that. And every young man needs to hear that. I'm telling you, listen, if you're a church member, I thank God for being faithful. But you got to be consistent. Isn't that right? God blesses consistency. And I tell you, that's the beginning 
of a ministry of any kind that's going to have an effect. You see, if you're going to have a spiritual impact on your children, you have to be consistent. You have to go to church faithfully, Sunday school, prayer meeting, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And you're here this morning, and I commend you for that. But there's a lot of ministries, let's be honest, out there. They're just not of God. Can I get a witness on them? I'm telling you as a pastor, there are just some ministries. You know, you don't take a whole lot of praying to tell God's not in that. I'm just going to move on, but let me just say this. I mean, I had a man give me a card a couple years ago, and I looked at it, and it had puppets on it. And he was a missionary, and it was a puppet ministry. Now listen, if you think I'm going to take God's money and support somebody to go play with puppets, y'all still with me? I'm not saying that somebody can't use them in Sunday school or vacation Bible school if they want to do that. But I'm telling you, if your ministry's puppets, you need to go get a job. Somebody say amen. I mean, now, I don't know if that ticks some of y'all off, but I'm telling you, it's still the truth. Isn't that right? Uh, I'm not going to take God's money and stand at the judgment seat uh, because somebody wants to drag some puppets around. Uh, and listen, preaching, God didn't say that he chose the foolishness of puppets. Amen? Uh, he, showed, he, showed, he chose the foolishness of preaching. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm not for a clown ministry. I think clowns are creepy. Amen? Uh, I'm not for any of that kind of mess. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm not for, listen, all uh, a missionary to the missionary. Listen, if God calls you, be a missionary. Amen. I tell you who the missionary is going to be to the missionary. It's going to be the same one who's the pastor to the pastor and the evangelist to the evangelist. It's a sweet Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm just saying we got a lot of ministries out there that they're made up that God's not in it and it don't take a whole lot of discernment to figure it out. Amen. Well, for the few that's still listening this morning, let me just move on. I'm just simply saying John's been dead for at least six months but his ministry is still having an effect. Amen. Don't you want to have a ministry? You may not be a preacher, but don't you want to have a ministry that has an effect when you're gone? I'm not talking about your name. I'm not talking about fame. And this text will prove that. This ministry is not about John's name nor fame. This, this chapter, in fact, or these verses, if you think about it, it opens in verse number one with Jesus. And then if you, when you get to verse number 12, it ends with Jesus. And is that not what John's ministry was about? It wasn't about John. It was about Jesus. Amen. I'll tell you, if you'll make your ministry as a mother, if you'll make your ministry as a father, if you'll make your ministry as a church member all about Jesus, you'll have a ministry that lives on when you're dead and gone. It'll still have an effect on another world or another generation that's coming up. Notice with me very quickly this morning how John's ministry affected those around him. I would say first of all in verse number three down to verse number five that John's ministry after he was gone it affected society. Amen. The Bible said for Herod had laid, on, uh, laid hold on John and bound him, uh, bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him in, uh, to death, he feared the people because they counted him as a prophet. Now here, think about this. John's ministry affected society some six months after he's gone. They're still talking about it. And think about this. 2,000 years later, here we are. 2022, John's been in heaven for all these years and we're still talking about his ministry. 
You say, what happened? It affected society. It resembled the Savior in verse number one and two. I mean, it reproved sin in verse number three and verse number four. And it had respect from society. You see, if you stand for the right thing, society will not always stand with you. And society may even be like in this text here. They may even hate you, but they'll respect you for doing what's right. They may not agree with it. They may not appreciate it. They may even cut your head off like they did John, but they'll have more respect for somebody that's willing to take a stand than somebody that's just going to roll over and just go for anything. I'm telling you, friend, if we're going to be the salt of this earth and if we're going to be the light of this world, then we've got to be willing to stand and we've got to be willing to shine and we've got to be willing to have some savor. Isn't that right? I'll tell you, that comes by having a ministry that affects society. A godly mother can raise godly children that can affect society. A godly husband working a job, a factory job through the week, working in the factory, coming home, raising children, having family altar, playing with his children, being a godly example, a good dad, a good husband, taking them to church and leading them in worship and being strong in faith and paying tithes and supporting missionaries. I'm going to tell you what a ministry that is uh, to hold up the hands of the man of God and to stay by the stuff uh, and to be counted for the cause of Christ. Uh, You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be full time uh, in the ministry so to speak. Uh, I'm telling you if you're living for God you are full time in the ministry because we've all been called uh, 24-7, 365 days uh, a year and what this world needs uh, is they need some real Christians uh, that'll make a difference, amen? And we can't make a difference if we live like them. And we can't make a difference if we look like them. And we can't make a difference if we talk like them. There's gotta be something that's different from what they have so that they'll look at us uh, and say we may not be them and we may not agree with them, but they're different than what we are, amen? Makes a difference, doesn't it? I remember a man that grew up in the, na- in the area that my father grew up in, that I grew up in. And he used to be, he wasn't one of my dad's drinking buddies, but, but he, was always, he was always a drunk. And he had a man that he ran, away, ran around with. That man got saved. When that man got saved, he began to witness to everybody that he came in contact with. That man was the man that knocked on my door one Sunday morning when we were lost, Saturday morning. He was our bus driver, our Sunday school teacher, our youth worker. That man served as a missionary in China, came back, has worked in other ministries. But as a child, my mind goes back to that man, a ministry that he had a long time ago before he ever became a missionary. He was a a bus worker, who influenced a man in his life that he grew up with that was a drunk, that he won to God and got him to come to church. And I remember that man getting on the bus that we rode and he would stand up front. You know what he would do? He would talk. Now this probably is, I know it's not legal now. It probably wasn't legal then, but I'm from Murray County. So, you know, we did a lot of things, amen, that wasn't legal in other parts of the world, but I reckon they were there. And I remember this man after he got saved. I sat on about the third seat when you started down the aisle on the right-hand side. But when this man got saved, our Sunday school teacher drove that bus. This man got 
out on a bus one Sunday and uh, he started telling about uh, telling some of the people on the bus how that this man witnessed to him and warned him to God. And you know what he did? He stood at the front there at the steps uh, and he opened and closed the doors as people would come and get on the bus. You know, that's an impression in my mind that here's a Sunday school teacher. He didn't have a big title. He wasn't recognized by a lot of people. I tell you, he brought our family to the foot of the cross. Uh, he won that old drunk that he went to school with and he became a, a bus worker on that bus that we rode. Uh, I'm telling you, everybody can do something for God uh, if you're willing to get involved. Uh, you can make a difference and can I tell you something? Uh, most of the impact that we make in people's life, uh, we'll never know about it. We'll never see it until we get to the other side. Uh, we think a lot of times uh, just because a man's behind a pulpit and preaching that he's the one making the big difference but I don't tell you something, Fred. Uh, most of the people making the impact in people's life, uh, they're working behind the scenes. Uh, they're doing things uh, that no one will ever see but there is an all-seeing eye. Proverbs 15 and verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place uh, behold the evil and the good. Uh, I tell you, if you'll be faithful and you'll serve God and you'll just do what God asks you to do, uh, you can make an impact on society that one day when you stand at the judgment seat, uh, I'm telling you, God will let you see the trophies uh, and the people and the souls that you have won, uh, that you brought to the foot of the cross. Uh, why? Because uh, you were willing to have a ministry that lasted. Hallelujah. This morning it affected society. And then I want you to see it affected sinners in verse number six. The Bible says here, notice the perversion. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Notice these perverted sinners here. This wicked girl, this wicked king, the perversion. Then notice the promise in verse 7, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. That was such a foolish thing. Sin will make you make, cause you to make foolish decisions. For just a moment of pleasure, for just a moment of gratification. You know how far sin was taking this king? He was willing to give almost everything he had, half of his kingdom, for just a little bit of sinful pleasure. We see the promise. Uh, then we see the price in verse number eight. And she, being in, before instructed of her mother, said, give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger. Now that's not what the king wanted to give. If it would have been silver, if it would have been gold, if it would have been garments, uh, if it would have been some political position, he would have gave it and would have not thought twice about it. Do you know what that is what sin will do? Sin will out trick you. Uh, sin will take something every time that you don't want to give up. Uh, I'm telling you friend uh, she wanted John the Baptist's head. Do you know why? Because John's preaching got under their skin. Uh, it made her mother mad. It made her mad. I'm telling you preaching. Uh, it'll do one of the two things this morning. It'll draw you closer to God. It'll bring you closer to God. Uh, it'll make you want to get right with God uh, or it it might make you never want to come back. Now hear me this morning. I'm not here to run anybody off. I tell you, I want you to come back. This whole church wants you to come back. But preaching, why does preaching run people off sometimes? Why do people despise preaching? It's not because the preacher's being mean. It's not because the church is unfriendly. It's because the Holy Spirit works in people's life. And when you're not willing to deal with your sin, you can't stay where you're constantly being convicted if you don't want to do right. I've watched people. It's a hard thing as a pastor. 
To watch people come in, get right with God, fall in love with Jesus, and God save some of their children. Help their marriage, put their home back together. Watch them stand up and talk and sometimes even brag of how much God's done in their life through this church. And we all know this morning, it's the Lord, isn't it? But I'll tell you what's heartbreaking to a pastor and his wife is when, and it's not just us, y'all have poured in them too. But when you've invested in people and you watch them start drifting and they won't, they won't admit it, they're not going to talk about it. But I'll tell you, God will let a man of God know that. And you'll notice they're drifting. And you want know a preacher to do? You'll pray for them. His wife will pray for them. And sometimes you'll go to them. Sometimes you can't go to them because you know they can't take it. And the Holy Ghost will say, just leave them alone, pray for them. If you go to them, they're probably going to leave. And so you just kind of stand back. And then I'll tell you, what's really hard is when you watch them go. And they make statements sometimes like, oh, I got hurt down there. It's funny, the place that helped you so much hurt you so much. I'll tell you how to know if they're lying every time. Watch how they're living. Because how they're living will tell you if they're lying. And I'll tell you, this woman hated John the Baptist. Why? Because of his preaching. The price, the permission in verse 9, he gives it. The king was sorry. Nevertheless, he made an oath. And he commanded it to be given her. And Then there's the presentation. He sent and beheaded John in verse number 10 in prison. And his head was brought in verse 11 and given to the damsel and she brought it to her mother. How wicked are these people that they got joy out of seeing the head of a dead corpse. You know what that tells me this morning? That it was more than just a, da- a mother and her daughter, but it was Satan working behind the scenes. I'm telling you this morning, there's been people, I remember one time a lady in a church, we was preaching in a church, she got up and she got mad in the service. I, I don't remember what I was preaching on, but I was preaching the gospel. I do remember that. I don't remember the message if it was on the cross or heaven. But she got up and she got mad and she stormed out in the back of my mind. I said, what did I say? What could I have said to make that woman so mad? It was just I was just preaching the gospel. In a few minutes, she came back in and she sat back down. And I thought to myself, well, maybe she's not mad at me. She sat down next to her husband. I thought maybe she's mad at her husband. I didn't know what was going on with her. A few minutes later, about five minutes more, you know what she did? She got up and stormed back out of the building again. I thought, well, she's mad at me or she's mad at him, but I can't help it. I'm just preaching what God told me to say and so I just got to keep on preaching. Amen? She finally come back in right as we was getting ready to give the invitation and thank God the Holy Ghost got a hold of her. I'll tell you what was wrong with her. She is under conviction. Amen? She is wanting her husband to leave. And thank God he had enough God in him. He said, I ain't going nowhere. Say amen. She went to the car twice, but she found out I couldn't get to the car. And her husband wouldn't go to the car. But there's already somebody waiting on her when she got there. And she come back in that third time. She come down the aisle. I tell you, she was a weeping. And she got born in a family of God. Oh, thank God for preaching. Amen. It'll have an effect on sinners. I tell you, 
sinner, it'll affect you uh, if you'll turn your heart to it rather than turn your heart away from it. I'll tell you what it'll do. Uh, it'll bring you to the foot of the cross. Uh, it'll bring you to the very foot uh, of the throne of God. Uh, I'll say hallelujah for old time. Uh, Holy Ghost, uh, uh, preach it, amen. And it'll have a ministering effect on sinners. I tell you, when you witness the people, you got to use tact. And you got to use compassion. You got to use mercy and kindness. Nobody wants a rude witness. Can I say, can you say amen there? But I'll tell you what you got to do. You got to tell them the truth. Speak the truth in love. They may get mad, but it's hard to get mad at somebody when their tears are running down their face. And I know we don't witness to everybody that way sometimes because of the circumstances and it may be a spur of the moment. But I tell you, if you can stay tender in your witness, it'll get a hold of sinners. I remember one time preaching. I don't know why I'm giving you so many illustrations, but I was preaching one time. First church I pastored. My wife will remember this. Old guy come in. was going to baptize his son. They got, he got saved out of one of the trailer parks that we... Ran our bus in. What about that? I was thinking about that. I don't know where she's at, but we had two vans. Had an old 73, uh, 73 Ford van with a flat nose on it. I remember I hit an owl one time. Well, that's an experience when you hit it flat-nosed. I'll tell you, it was something for them kids to talk about. I drove that old, bu- that old van. Had a steering column come straight up out of it, you know, like this. And then my wife, she had a 15-passenger van. I'm talking about a nine months pregnant. She's driving that van on that bus route, an old Dodge van. And uh, she'd pick up about 15 kids. I'd pick up about 15 kids. And uh, I remember one of those kids got saved. And so we was going to baptize them on Sunday night. And lived in, a, had lived in a really bad situation. And on that Sunday night, I'm telling you, the whole family showed up. I couldn't believe it. Sit on the back room. And uh, the dad sat back there. He had on a, a leather jacket with zippers all over. Over it. I mean, tattoos all down his, his arms and his neck and up the side of his face. Uh, and uh, I remember that night uh, I was preaching and he got up and he tried to disrupt the service a little bit. And uh, I tell you, I wasn't but about 19 years old. I weighed about 125 pounds soaking wet, you know. I mean, he could have reached out and snapped my neck probably in a heartbeat. But I tell you, there's one advantage I had on that man that night. Uh, uh, God came over me uh, uh, while I was uh, preaching. Uh, I said, sir, if you don't sit I said, these men on the front row is going to carry you out of this building. When I said that, them men looked at me like, you mean us? <laughs> I was like, fellas, don't fail me now, amen. <laughs> that guy turned and looked at me, and he walked about three rows down that aisle, and I thought, oh, Lord, he's going to kill me, and I'm going to kill them. <laughs> they didn't move. He said, well, I'll just sit down. I think God stopped him. He sat down in that pew. And after the service, he came up to me and I thought, that dude's fixing to deck me. That's what I thought. He came up and you know what he did? He shook my hand. And he said, I'm sorry. He said, I acted like a fool. He said, will you forgive me? I said, I'll forgive you. I said, would you come back to church? I said, we won't see you get saved. He didn't get saved and he didn't come back to church. But what I'm telling you today is this, and I'm not telling you to go out and pick fights. Y'all know what I'm saying. But I'm telling you when you find yourself 
in a place where you have to do what's right, do what's right. Tell sinners the truth because the truth will set them free this morning. I'll say in closing, not only did it affect society, not only did it affect sinners, but look at verse 12. It affected saints this morning. Notice with me their arrival and his disciples came. I think they took boldness because John had boldness. Notice their activity. They took up the body and they buried it. They gave the man of God a proper burial. They took that body and they buried it. I want you to notice their allegiance. They went and they told Jesus. You know what I like about the ministry of John? Is that when he's dead and gone, it drove men to Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. You don't quit because the preacher dies. Somebody say amen. You don't, you, don't, you don't slack up and drop your convictions because the preacher passes off the scene. I'm telling you, if what you got's real and it's of God, it'll hold when the preacher's gone. Amen. In fact, it'll hold when the preacher folds. Somebody say amen. If the man of God backs up, if what you got's real, you'll carry on. Amen. Because it's not about him. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And these disciples, John had done his job. He pointed them to Christ. He put them to the cross. He didn't make a platform to it for himself. You young preachers hear me. He didn't try to build a ministry for himself. He didn't try to make a name for himself. He wasn't trying to get people to look at him. He just pointed people to the cross. And I'll tell you what the payday was. And when John's done dead and gone, they're still talking about it. Amen. It not only affected the saints. Hey, I want to have a ministry that affects saints, don't you? I think about the saints of God that's done passed on in this church. I mean, many of them we could talk about. Sister Dinky Goldsmith. We could talk about Sister Maisel Murdoch. I'm telling you, we could talk about Brother Andy Anderson. We could talk about Brother Berman K, Brother Berman Jr. I'm telling you, we could talk about Brother James Rowland. There's so many we could talk about. Some of them was a preacher, but some of them wasn't. They were just godly saints that was faithful. Sister Gladys Middleton sat right over there. Brother Jack Middleton sat right here. I'm talking about people that punched a clock every week, but they went to church and they lived a godly life and you knew they was the real deal. I'm telling you, they're still gone, but look, we're here today. We've got a church to go to. We got a place to worship. You know why we got this place? Because I'll tell you why. There were some people that started it in the 60s, amen? But you know what? A lot of them, Brother Caputa, you can identify with this. There's a lot of them came and went, isn't that right? There's a lot of them uh, that sat under your dad for a little while and they're nowhere to be found and they went a different direction. But I'll tell you, there's some that stayed here. They kept the lights on. They paid the bills. They kept sending out missionaries. They kept knocking doors. They kept holding the line. Hey, they kept on singing the same songs. They kept on shouting. They kept on winning souls. And guess what? They may be in heaven this morning, but they've affected these saints. We're here. Why? Because they were faithful. Hallelujah. Sister Tina, your mom, Charles Roach, used to testify this all the time. Brother Charles was one of them, wasn't he? I love to see that man shout. Teach Sunday school. He had God all over him. I remember one Sunday morning, I mean, I know it's Mother's Day. Y'all probably got roast all in the oven, don't you? That'll be all right. Hope you put it on low, not high. Be done in about three minutes, maybe. But you know what? I remember one morning during Jubilee, Brother Jack, you might remember this, because you, Brother Johnny Williams, and Brother Charles Roach were sitting right back there one, one morning of service. Charles was sitting right in the middle. You was on one side, Brother Johnny was on the other. I don't remember what was going on up here, but I sure remember what happened back there. 
God got in that pew and got on Brother Charles. He got up and got, he stood up and started shouting, but he couldn't go nowhere as he was hemmed up. I mean, they couldn't get up because there was people on both sides of them. He was just locked in that pew. And I didn't know what he was going to do, but I knew one thing. Everybody on that pew, if they didn't get full of God, they was in trouble. Amen. He got up and he got to shouting. He couldn't go nowhere, so he just kept shouting right there. And I'll tell you a few minutes, Brother Jack got up and got to shouting. Amen. And then a few minutes later, Brother Johnny got up and got to shouting. Amen. And I don't know where them other people went, but they all three got out of there somewhere and got down the aisle. Amen. He said, that makes me nervous. Oh, it don't make me nervous one bit. Amen. I, I tell you, I like it when it gets that way. I like it when God gets on them. You know why? Because them people lived it. Amen. It wasn't something they just did on Sunday. It's how they lived their life. You could go by their house and sat in their living room and talked to them about God. I remember one morning me and Brother Roach got down and we got to praying about his sickness and I'm telling you the Spirit of God stepped in that living room. I'm telling you God met with us and all of a sudden it turned into a worship service and Charles Roach did in that living room and the same thing he did in this church house. He shouted all through the living room and through the kitchen. Amen. I'm telling you God's real. Amen. He's as real as you'll let him be. It's old dead church world. They don't know anything about it. It makes them nervous. A lot of them don't want nothing to do with it. I'll tell you something. Praise God. Just let me get it it on it. I'm telling you, I want to stay with it. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Even on Mother's Day when you're preaching five minutes after 12, it's still good, ain't it? You know why? Because church is about Him. I tell you, I want to have a ministry it has an effect. I'll tell you who it affected last as they get us a song ready. Look at verse 13. One phrase. When Jesus heard of it. I'm going to tell you, be not dismayed. Everything you ever do for God, Jesus will hear of it. In John's ministry, it affected society, Sinners, saints, but most of all, it affected the Savior. I want to tell you this morning, everything we do, we need to remind ourselves, I need this reminder. I don't pastor this church for people. There's been days I have, and I don't mean that wrong. I love this church. I'd do anything for any of you. But I've watched men pastor their church for people, and here's what happens to them. When somebody disappoints them and leaves, they take it out on the whole outfit. They can't see those that have been faithful for the ones that have fallen because they pastored for people. I'm not doing it for you, and you're not doing it for me this morning. But we're doing it for Him. Every mile you travel in this old walk of life, make sure you travel it for Him. But you do it for Him. People's going to let you down. But I'm going to tell you something. This is what I remind myself of often. So, Brother Gravely, anybody ever let you down? Sure they do. But I let people down. I do. Because I'm human. I'm flesh. You let people down. You might think, well, I ain't letting nobody down. You're fooling yourself. Sometimes... At the very best we can do, it ain't enough. And we let people down. We don't mean to sometimes, but we do. 
Because we can't be all things to all people. But there is one who can. And we must remind ourselves, he's the one we serve. Why are you doing what you're doing today?